Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right. So as you may or may not know, watching this channel, Simply Always Awake, uh, we have ads on our videos. And by just merely watching those ads, there's revenue generated. It goes to Simply Always Awake. And what I've done since I started monetizing the channel uh, is I donate all of the ad revenue to various causes, various charities, and so forth. Sometimes I do it once a month. Sometimes I wait two or three months and donate you know, two or three months worth. So in this case... Um, we are uh, having a conversation today with uh, my friend Lubina, and we're having a conversation about some of the challenges uh, that children have and face in Bangladesh and a really nice um, charity that we can donate um, the revenue from January and December to. So first, I just want to introduce Lubina. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Angelo. Thank you for having me and for donating to this charity for slum children in Bangladesh. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. So I met with um, Lubaina and one of her friends and her friend, and she she's going to tell you this whole story, but her friend does this amazing work where she actually has a school and a sort of shelter for these children on the street. And she's run this for years. And it gives the, these children who may not have shelter, uh, hygiene, education, even safety, sometimes even parents, um, it gives them a place to, to go to uh, become safe become clean, start to eat, start to learn, start to actually have structure to their life and and potentially grow up to be um, happy, healthy people. So um, maybe just start by giving us a little bit of background about uh, what the slums are like for children who, who are on the street. Mm, that's, that's a really good question, because I think unless you've been to a country that has this situation, it's very hard to imagine because it's not something we really encounter in the Western world as much. Uh, homelessness is very different here. Over there, uh, back where I come from, because I'm originally from Bangladesh, I grew up there. The, the kids, they live on the streets and a lot of them have, uh, they live in slums, which is like a floating population. So the conditions there are pretty, pretty horrible. Uh, as far as we can tell, right? But for them, it's like getting off the street, it's one degree better, right? So they live in very poor conditions. There's very little clean water available. Uh, the parents are most of the time working on the streets, like they're either rickshaw pullers or they sell fruit. They're like uh, street vendors or they have menial jobs. Sometimes they work in factories. A lot of the mothers are housemates because that's, still culturally what happens you know and they have very little education so what happens with these kids is they get caught in that cycle of being on the street either begging for money or doing menial jobs and they never really get a chance to come out of that cycle so to answer your question in terms of the conditions like just i i can't I can send you pictures so you can imagine 
but uh, really it's it's dirty. It's very little clean water. Uh, when there's a storm or something, they may lose their homes. Uh, flooding is a regular issue in Bangladesh. And when flooding does happen during monsoon season, a lot of these families get displaced, which is why they're floating population, meaning they go from one area to another, either depending on you know weather or sometimes depending on whether or not they can pay money because the slums also cost money. It's not free. They didn't make it themselves. So they pay the slum lords or people who have built the slum to provide them housing with. So I would say that sums up just if you can get a little bit of idea of the kind of conditions they're living in, what they're dealing with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, could you touch into a bit about safety and the this the the challenges they face with safety and, and potential even trafficking and so forth? Sure. Yeah. I mean... The trafficking element of it is very interesting because uh, it's not it's not legal in Bangladesh. It's not legal to marry off uh, any children under the age of 18. However, it does happen, especially in this particular population. And the reason for that is because once like it happens, basically it happens with the girls. It doesn't happen as much with the, the boys where the parents think, okay, so now she's 12, she's 13. It's going to give her a better life if we marry her off. It also means they get some money for doing that. So for them, it's like, oh, we're doing the right thing slash getting money and also one less mouth to feed because they often have like multiple kids, you know, to take care of. So that's sort of their mindset. They're not thinking of like, oh, this is wrong or it's not legal. It's They'll, they'll just take the kids to the villages and the the girls will be married off to much older men who have the means, you know. The sad part of that is it is trafficking because basically when these uh, women, I mean, when these girls get pregnant, they are often rejected by their husbands who are like, okay, next, you know. So that's the trafficking element. And of course, like if you're living on the streets, there's always danger of all kinds of things. I mean, it's um, it's not a safe place. Bangladesh has a lot of political issues to begin with. And it's not safe even for me to just like walk on the street at night by myself. So kids living on the street are in danger of kidnapping. They're in also in danger of being kidnapped for the purposes of being used for begging because begging is a whole industry by itself where uh, children are used to gain sympathy. And, you know, the people who beg with kids, especially disabled kids, get more money. So there's always that danger as well. So other than that, like if they're in the slums and with their families, it's the safest place for them, obviously. Uh, but there isn't like a great amount of safety given all these other factors that we're thinking of. And the other thing that tends to happen is they get um, they get they become part of gangs very easily because they don't you know, this that's what they see on the street, you know, so they're prone to being drawn into violence at a very early age because that's what mm -hmm. they get exposed to. Yeah. Yeah, well, so um, let's talk about your friend. Let's introduce yes. her a, a little bit and talk about what she does. Yeah, so her name is Afroza Sarwar. And what she does is she has a charity called Snowda. 
It's a very long and complicated Bengali name that even I cannot pronounce <laughs> properly, uh, but we'll just say Snoda. So this charity was started in, uh, she started working with these, uh, with these kids in 2009, but the charity actually was started in 1994 by some friends that she had. And what they were, they were working with a different population. They were working with disabled um, women and giving them education around uh, how to have a craft, like buying them wheelchairs and like sewing machines and things like that to basically give them a means of making money and feeling empowered, right? So that's what the original face of the charity was. And then when my friend took over, she wanted to switch it to helping disabled children because her focus was always more about helping children. And then she faced uh, the issue of what I sort of described where like disabled children are a commodity in a lot of ways on the streets. So she ended up figuring out that it would cost her a lot of money to try to get children to to help. Like basically she had to pay people, like pay their parents or their families just to even be able to get them to come to her. And we're gonna I'm gonna talk about it a little bit as to uh, like that that whole dynamic of like what motivates uh, their families to let them come to her charity right now. So when she when she realized that helping disabled kids was gonna cost a lot of money, which she didn't have, she she decided to focus on the slum children, which was sort of an easier population to get into because the the parents are more open. And at the same time, she still needed to explain to them that it's it's because her her sense was, OK, I want to give them education, basic education, like teach them Bengali, English, math and science. Those are like the four uh, subjects that they teach in the school that she created. But when she started making the school, she realized, oh, these kids have like no idea how to groom themselves, you know, because they're living on the streets. They're rolling around in dirt and they don't have a lot of the times they don't even have proper clothing. Uh, they don't know how to bathe themselves because again, it's big families. So the parents are busy and don't have time to give attention. They're like barely, you know, being able to make ends meet. So they don't have time to be like, oh, this is how you comb your hair. Oh, when you scratch your hair, you have lice, you need to wash it or any of that stuff. So what she started to do was she went to these slums, talked to their families and said, if you send your kids to me, I will give them education, but first I'm going to feed them. So that was like a big, that is a big motivation for them that whenever they come, they get a meal, you know? And so that was also motivation for the kids, you know, and she brought them in and first she gave them uh, education around hygiene, like why they need to clean themselves and how to clean themselves. And then she gave them clothes. So slowly, slowly, because she was really doing it all on her own and not getting like a lot of donations and stuff. Um, slowly, slowly, she got them to a point where, okay, now we can start uh, teaching you some math and science and you know, Bengali and English and how to write. And she told me that the kids went from like when she would first get them, if you ask them like, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'd be like, I want to be a, in the gang and I want to be the, the main guy of the gang or, you know, stuff like that. And now they have like aspirations. They're like, I want to be an engineer. I want to be a doctor. Oh. So, you know, it's uh, 
it's very touching. I always like when I first met her and I, when I saw these children, I was I was very moved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we met with her, and as I mentioned, I met her as well. So when we met with her, it was very obvious to me. I was just struck by the fact that she really gives her whole heart to this. And I was also struck by how challenging it would be just to have such a paucity of resources and so much need. Um, you know, she mentioned that she can only take a certain number of children at a time. Of course, there's vastly more children that could use the benefit of this, but, you know, she only has the resources she has. It's all donation-based and so forth. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I was moved the whole time listening to her by how much she really cares, how much she just gives her whole heart to doing this. And there's no doubt these children benefit tremendously from from all of that. So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so during the the one note I wanted to make is the way I got involved was right before pandemic, right before lockdown, I was in Bangladesh and I had gone back for the first time in 15 years. So, you know, you move away from somewhere, it's not in front of you all the time, you forget what's happening, right? And I came back, I, I went back and I was almost in shock because I had grown up with it, but you get desensitized when you see it every day, but when you're moved away and you forget and you go back and you see that, see what's happening. It was, it was very shocking for me. I was like, Oh my God, this is how people live here. I forgot. This is what I grew up with, you know? Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to do something. And then she, she's also a friend of my dad's. That's how I met her. And uh, my father has been involved in some of these charitable organizations and stuff like that pretty much his whole life so when I told him I wanted to do something to help the slum kids he told me about her and I met I talked to her and she explained to me what she does and then I came here and I was like okay I'm when I go back I'm gonna do some fundraising I'm gonna you know I was motivated right and then I came back and it was lockdown right mm -hmm. and then what happened was because of lockdown they had no resources like zero because these are people who go out make the money for the day come back feed their kids right so what we did during pandemic was forget school because there was no school we decided to give them like money for rent and food and so we did food drives and clothing drives and stuff like that and basically we took care of them and their families it was about 20 kids so you know i i reached out to my friends and and you know people i knew and i said hey you know i'm doing a yoga class and do a donation for the kids stuff like that so that's what we did during the pandemic so it's kind of you know changed form as it needs this charity you know it's really supposed to be a school um and she does want to bring more art into it you know to encourage the creativity of kids and she has had them do stuff like planting trees and making art but uh, you know, it's all volunteer. The teachers are volunteers. And again, like resources are limited. So we've, mm. we've sort of done whatever we can. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. 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 She mentioned when we were talking that the pandemic, pandemic, like it has with so many industries and so many, you know, everything um, really, uh, it kind of took a hit a bit, the school, as far as how much resource she had and and how many kids she was able to take care of. But um, but it's still going strong and, uh, we will put some pictures up here of some of the kids are just so adorable and they look so, so happy and, you know, clean and, and just, just excited to, to be there. So, 
Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and also I just checked out my um, channel revenue, like the ad revenue. So for December and January, it's right around, excuse me, it's right around 3,100. Um, so we'll oh, donate wow. that to it. And we'll, wow. um, we set up a GoFundMe. We have that set up, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. We yeah. Do. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you. And thank you for setting that up. And thank you, Vani, for setting that up. Um, yes. Thank you, Vani. <laughs> uh, good. So we'll put the <clears throat> link under the video. So if anyone else wants to donate to this, uh, it'll go directly to Afroza school and help these kids. And I'm there's essentially no administrative. I don't think there's much administrative, you know, uh, that this money goes to. It's really just directly to the kids and resources and food and yeah learning materials and, and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Uh, anything else that you wanted to bring up or talk about or, um, point out? Well, I wanted to say that, so I've never met these kids in person so far, but I've gotten so many videos from them just like thanking me and telling me to come to Bangladesh because, uh, you know, she tells them that, Oh, you know, there's this person and, in uh in new york who's like sending money for you because oh this is from her this is from her so she keeps saying it like that and i'm like i don't do any work really she does the grunt of the work but they are really so grateful for every little thing they get it's unbelievable you know and the the other thing i wanted to mention is in in our society they're they're almost treated as if like they're not welcome in most mm. places, you know, because they're dirty, they live on the streets. And it's it's kind of how um, a lot of people react with home, the homeless here, but mm-hmm. except they're kids and they yeah. need love. And, and <laughs> you know, uh, it makes me emotional every time I think about it. But they're very, very grateful for whatever, whatever they get, you know, and the joy that comes to them from like an extra class, like they have this one a little class party they did where they made, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a very traditional dish made of uh, rice meal. And it's like a sweets festival that we have around springtime. It's not quite springtime yet, but they, they, they do it towards the end of winter, you know, and it's like a traditional thing. So they did that and she sent me pictures of that because they're they're so happy because they got to like make these little things and eat them. You know, they live a very simple life. And uh, they also feel very deeply when they hear that other people in a different country cares about them, you know? So I just wanted to share that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us about this. And thank you for setting up the GoFundMe. Um, So I'll encourage anyone to even want to donate 10 bucks. It'll make a big difference, actually, because I could go a long way there for these kids. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the very generous donation from your from your channel and also for taking the time to do this video, raise awareness and talk to my friend and being so open with all of this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate you bringing it to my attention. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll see you soon. I'm sure in one of the double barrels or one of the other. (laughs) Yes. Yes, This, uh, (laughs) this Sunday I have it in my (laughs) calendar. (laughs) See you then. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you.